Hello, this is Notes from the Back Row, a podcast like no other, different themes, rotating hosts, and so much more. So strap in for a veritable cinematic Coney Island of the mind. Hello and welcome to Notes from the Back Row. We have an exciting guest here today, but first we have Dan. Hello, it's me. We have Carlo. Yo, what up? And we have you, our lovely listeners. Maybe your Patreon. Nell and Daniel and Abashed Pudding, they're all Patreons, and I don't think we shouted them out yet, so I'm going to shout them out right now. Thank you guys so much for your generous monthly contributions. It means a lot to us, and we hope that you enjoy both early episode access, exclusive content, and if you guys stick around long enough, you'll get an end-of-your-swag box, which is pretty cool, if I say so yeah. myself. And uh, if you want to join, you can go to back-row.com, scroll to the bottom, and click on Patreon, and that is where you can join the club. But today... As I mentioned, we have spe a special guest. We have Bart Deloro. Hi, Bart. I'm the special guest. I was waiting for somebody really exciting to show up. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I think you're special. And maybe it's just because I do a podcast with you called Cinema 60, which you guys should listen to. It's at cinema-60.com because all other URLs are taken. So that everything has a dash. <laughs> <laughs> it's a delightful show it's the only <laughs> url you need cinema 60 is a podcast about 1960s cinema but the reason that i know bart and part of why the big part of why i agreed to even doing a podcast with him is because bart <laughs> used to own a dvd rental store called brilliantly bart and greg's dvd explosion in brunswick <laughs> maine when he had this store, which unfortunately has cl since closed, as as they all sort of seem, seem to go, and we're going to talk about that, I never spoke to Bart when he actually owned the store because I just figured anyone who works at DVD rental store is probably a jerk. <laughs> 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 and I just never made an effort, even though I kind of figured out who he was eventually. And um, then when I, I ended up meeting him again on Letterboxd, funny enough, and I was like, like, oh, my God, this is the Bart of Bart and Greg's DVDs. <laughs> yeah, and, and who pushed you to be on Letterboxd, by the way? That's right. It was Carlo. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. There you go. Nice. <laughs> Which is how I met Dan. Full circle. But um, true, true. But no. So so today I kind of wanted to talk to, to Bart about his DVD rental store. Um, and since Carlo and Dan are just constantly talking about rental store memories and lost VHS movies, I figured let's get all these guys in a room mm -hmm. and uh, do your magic. <laughs> I do, I do want to ask like the, the, the name is, what, what was Bart and Greg's DVD explosion? Why that name? Where yeah. did that come? Where did that come from? Give us an oral <laughs> history of Bart and Greg's. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you don't have to go, well, well, you know. No, I can I can explain the name. This one's okay. easy. I'm Bart. Um, <laughs> there was a Greg. <laughs> he uh, it was his idea to open the store. We had worked together 
at another video store, another mom and pops uh, back in the 90s mm. called Matt and Dave's Video Venture. And okay. um, that had closed, you know, maybe five years before we opened our store. But we wanted to get those customers that remembered Matt and Dave's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who okay. remember that store fondly? So we said, "Well, let's let's come up with a name that that sounds like that, so people know associate the store." So that's mm. that's where the Barton Greggs comes from. DVD what about because the explosion? <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, you're, you're <laughs> I, I can't, I can't. Well, DVD because we were DVD only, and it oh. was uh, this was two thousand two, so it was. Oh, okay. Unusual to have a DVD only store. We had to convince a lot of people that, yeah, you need to go out and buy a DVD player because <laughs> that's all we're going to stock here. Uh, mm. The explosion, I can't explain. It's just exciting. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Just a fun thing, way to end a name. I know uh, Dan loves a good explosion. So, <laughs> yeah, I do. I do. <laughs> what was there a specific point where the decision to open a store occurred? Was it just like, hey, we've got a lot of stuff we could be renting. Or was it like, let's do this, and now we have to go acquire the stock or what? I was living in New York City at the time, and I was ready to leave. This was uh, very shortly after 9-11 happened. That was a contributing factor. Hmm. And just, you know, living in New York is expensive. And if you're not doing the things that you you know can do in New York because you can't afford it or you've just done them all and you're tired of it, <laughs> uh, it's time to leave. So uh, this Greg guy, Greg Morris, he he said to me, "There's nothing but this crappy chain store, uh, home vision video or movie gallery, video galaxy. I don't know. It was some chain store that kept changing its name. It was uh, <laughs> in, in the end movie gallery. But he said, "Yeah, let's let's open the store in Brunswick, Maine. All the all the locals will come to us because they hate this chain store and uh, <laughs> United and hate." Yeah. I was I was ready to do it. I was I was managing a, a video store in New York uh, on the Upper West Side movie place. It was called, and that you know it was fun to like talk to Richard Dreyfus or uh, <laughs> nice. I don't know who else, Steve Wynn or you know just Martha Plimpton. Um, you yeah. know, their their famous people would come in, but other than that, it was you know it wasn't my store. I was ready to have a place I could call my own mm -hmm. and. Uh, Moved to Maine, opened a store. Do you miss doing it? Like, I imagine that must be, like, to me, that would be an ideal job, a job that I never had, but I don't know, like, having your own movie place sounds pretty nice. <laughs> yeah, you just sat around and, like, watched movies all day and had, like, only a couple customers, right? <laughs> well, at the end, yeah, it was just a couple customers. I was one of the you know it was mostly just me in the store by myself i had one other person helping me out um and were there and was barely... it like hopping before then i feel like every time i went in there it was pretty calm oh yeah no we you know around 2008 we really peaked yeah the chain store down the street closed down and so we got all of them all of those mm. customers and i you know i had i think i had 10 employees at one Whoa. point and yeah. Uh, yeah we did we were doing great for a long time and then it was really just netflix that uh netflix by mail was never an issue but uh mm -hmm. but streaming, streaming just people yeah. who could just sit at home and and not leave the house <laughs> yeah not leave the house and not have to worry about late fees mm -hmm. yeah um that that's what killed us 
Mm. But we we made it for about fifteen years. Well, and the store was legitimately great. I this was like one of these stores where when I I have family in Maine, and so I would go up to Maine twice a year, every single year for my entire life. I still go up, and for years we would go to Blockbuster because that was the one thing in the the strip mall in this sort of rural part of Maine where I was staying. Then one day, I don't know, like I went into town and suddenly realized that you guys existed or like finally walked in because I had seen mm. the sign and the name was legitimately brilliant. So it was like, all right, I was like, <laughs> I gotta <laughs> see what's happening in here. But this was such a wonderful, it was exactly like, you know, your, your dream video store because it was just wall to wall. And eventually you guys even expanded. It got like, you had like rooms and rooms and rooms of DVDs. Like everything was like perfectly organized. Uh, a bunch of like, you know, this hodgepodge collage of things on the wall of all movie posters, uh, like cardboard standout kind of stuff. I'm trying to remember, like, it just was a really funky, cool place. My favorite thing, which is something that I'm pretty sure that I talked about in a previous life podcast <laughs> before I even you know knew you, Bart, was that you guys used to put in the walls that were organized by like year. And this was just like the most brilliant shit to me because <laughs> you'd walk in and it would be like 1967. Like, that's it. Like, you know what? Some random year. And you just see this wall, you have faced everything. So all the DVD covers were faced towards you. So you could see the art for everything. And nice. it was just mind blowing to see what came out all at the same time. Mm -hmm. Then suddenly you get turned on to the idea of even categorizing things in your head this way, uh, which was just so cool. And then the other thing that I loved is that you guys would put little post-its on everything that said like, Bart likes it or like Greg <laughs> thinks it's okay or whoever was working in the store. So it was even more than just somebody's favorite shelf or whatever that, you know, typically you see like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Staff, staff picks and Bart's recommendations yeah. mm. of the week or whatever. It was like, no, you guys like reckon every single new film that came out. If you had watched it, you clearly wrote like a, like a thumbs up or a thumbs down kind of thing. That's if really cool. That's like super personal. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just, it was just so, so fun. And eventually I sort of started to realize like, Hmm, whenever Bart likes it, like it's probably pretty good, but when Greg likes it, it's a toss up. <laughs> Gene pick. The customers always like Greg's picks more than mine. Well, I like your, what, what will be like an example of a, of a Greg pick versus a Bart pick? Yeah. Um, weekend at Bernie's too. Yeah, I, <laughs> well, <thinking> that one? <laughs> I, I, w I would bet Greg would more be more likely to have his sticker on the first weekend at Bernie's, maybe not the okay. second one. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, he he was the documentary guy. He also liked the, I mean, neither of us are really horror guys, but he mm -hmm. liked the, you know, tended to, to like the more disturbing things, you know, mm -hmm. in, any, any horror recommendation would be from Greg because I just okay. don't, I don't watch yeah. this stuff. Did you ever have a situation like it sounds like it was a bit more of a like an enlightened crowd or like, you know, people see, maybe knew what they were getting into. But like my memories of the store that I went to with my parents was that there was this guy who was running the store and he would recommend things that like clearly people probably would not like. So like he told my dad to watch the Gus Van Sant movie, Jerry. <laughs> which is just like them walking around in the woods for like like and it's like an interesting movie but like my dad was like 
this is the dumbest piece of shit I ever saw. It's just a bunch of guys walking around. Like, did you ever have people come this back and be like, up Bernie's too? Yeah, why did oh, you recommend this to me? <laughs> See, okay, recommendations out of my mouth, I would usually gear towards the yeah. person and okay. and decide whether I thought they would like the movie or yeah. not. I would put my sticker on a movie like Jerry. I mean, not mm-hmm. Jerry, because I don't like Jerry very much. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'd put it on Elephant and uh yeah there are very few people i would actually recommend elephant to mm-hmm. because it's you know it's a tough movie um so i would have people come back and say i can't believe you put your sticker on this thing this was terrible <laughs> but if it was a you know personal out of my mouth recommendation i i, I didn't you know, get too much negative feedback there you know <laughs> some shrugs like oh that this this sense. didn't do much for me but but yeah, not not a lot of anger. Yeah, I mean that happens, you know. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering, yeah. like, in general, what was the clientele like? Like, did you cater to the people that will come in, or did did you just offer basically everything that was available to get? It was it was everything. I mean, our okay. our our clientele was all across the board. They liked okay. everything. I probably didn't need to get as many obscure foreign films as I did. Um, okay. <laughs> that, I, that was mostly just to satisfy my own interest. Thing, yeah. <laughs> but, but there are, there are certain people who'd be interested. I mean, I, I also made a point of watching a lot of those so I could put my sticker on it. If it was good mm. and would sometimes give it a little push mm. uh, that way. But yeah, I mean, I, I probably could have saved up a nice little nest egg if I had really just geared towards what people wanted. But because I'm an obsessive movie collector with mm-hmm. uh, somewhat esoteric interests, I would spend a lot more money than I probably should have on <laughs> on just weird shit that nobody would necessarily want to see. Mm, but it was in the it. interest of it. just like people would come in and see just like everything, every type of movie on, on the wall and know that they're, if it was out there, it would probably be available in my store to rent. And that's, mm. <laughs> that's what a video store should be. That's, that's mm. why we did what we did. And that's why it's a damn shame that video stores don't exist anymore. There's no place you can go that has everything anymore. No, it's true. It's true. Like even even online, that isn't true. Like there's so many streaming options, but none of them have everything. So you have to like have crazy amounts of subscriptions running per month. And and even then, this is not everything, you know, those are limited to yeah. like extremely. So yeah, like the 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 big rental store is, you know, a very rare thing. There's like in the States, I feel like there's a number of of a couple really really big mm, ones that are hanging there scarecrow video and i think was there did it did videots end up closing i can't remember anyway yeah there's definitely like a few hanging in there <laughs> maybe now doing like some rental by mail stuff as well I, mm-hmm, i've heard yeah. of some some stores doing that kind of thing but uh when netflix was coming in and kind of really edging into you know your business and your clientele was there anything that you did was there like an attempt to pivot was there or did you just kind of hold your ground and say like you know we're going to try and survive because we have something that nobody else offers which is like a place that you can go and and talk to somebody and talk about movies and get recommend and get recommendations and there's a level of curation you know i definitely chopped my budget for back catalog stuff that I was Mm. getting 
I mean, that's I've always been interested in older movies. Um, yeah. I would keep up with the new stuff when I had the store. I don't anymore. But yeah, I would just, you know, I wanted to have everything. But when Netflix started really cutting into our business, I, I had to sort of be really careful about the older things that I bought. Uh, I mean, I'd get whatever Criterion put out and, mm -hmm. you know, and if anybody asked, oh, can you get this movie for me? I'd get it. But mm -hmm. really kind of, I had to sort of grit my teeth a lot of the time, you know, towards the end there and say, no, I, all this great stuff that Oliver, whoever is putting out, I, I can't get it. I want it, yeah. but I can't get it for the store. And yeah, it was a sad time. I remember my, my dad came in and asked if you can get rhythm on the range <laughs> from 19 is like Bing Crosby, 1936 film. And he had some reason he would worked on, like he worked with like Leonard Kinsky or something. And, and on, I don't even remember his story. And, and, and he had talked about this movie to my dad who never forgot it. And then one day we saw you standing behind the counter. My dad's like, I'm going to ask if he has it. And you ordered it for him. And we ended up renting it. And it was pretty like, I think he fell asleep watching it, <laughs> but that was very nice. I don't even remember that movie. <laughs> oh yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure nobody Classic does. Bob. Yeah. <laughs> Classic Bob. Well, do, are you like, are you in contact with these other do, like rental store owners? Do you, have you, are you all like war buddies at this point? <laughs> or was it pretty much just like, cause I, cause how many other people in Maine are, maybe there's one in Portland, right? There's one big rental place or there was in Portland that you sort of knew about, but you were pretty much it for the state of Maine. <laughs> well, I mean, there, there was, um, there's Videoport in Portland, which was a terrific store, you know, probably the best video store in Maine. We didn't have the the number of people coming in the door that they did. So we couldn't quite support the the amazing collection that they could, but they closed a couple of years before we did. Mm. Yeah. I, I, I don't think there's anything left now. There's Opera House in Belfast, Maine. I, I don't know if they're still around. Yeah, I don't know. There might not be anything left in Maine at this point. I know Greg still goes to a video store in L.A. Videotech is his uh, mm. is his go to store there, and uh, and I've been in there. That's a great store, and it still manages to do okay. But it's also got the entire population of Los Angeles County to draw from. So uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that that's you know that's that's a major difference there. Yeah, I mean, I think smaller population centers. There's no way you can support a video store, but I'm really glad that the that the big cities can still support some. But no, I don't have anyone that I know who, who owns a video store anymore. I, I chatted with the owner of Videotech when I was in L.A. and uh, and we we you know we traded war stories, but we don't keep in touch. <laughs> I mean, I I would definitely credit your store for being one of the things that like a light bulb went on my head, you know, realizing like, oh, this stuff is, it's like so accessible to, to come here. I could get anything I wanted if I wasn't <laughs> renting movies with my mom who just wants to rent like Insidious 3 <laughs> or whatever. But like, this was a place I could, Classic I could Jane. come. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Either it's, it's Rhythm on the Range or it's Insidious 3. If that doesn't explain yeah. <laughs> me, then I don't know what does. Um, but, you know, it was just, there was a couple of times I rented some cool things from you. For the most part, I, I was, I, I was basically the, the client you don't want. I would take photos of things I saw on your wall and then go try and find it elsewhere. <laughs> but I wasn't living there. But um, 
I just remember like when I, I was living in San Francisco, I ended up um, living at Le Video, which I don't, I don't even know if they exist anymore either. I know that they had closed because of rent and, and, you know, times moving on, but that wasn't like, also I was just in and out of there every single damn day. And like, I, you know, Bart, your store where everything was pretty, you know, it was cheap. You do these things. I remember like, you know, you spin the wheel or whatever, and you get like a free rental and, and these sort yeah. of things. Game days. Yeah. So it was fun and, and silly and cheap and, and so easy. And it was just great to, you know, if, if I had been bold enough to even speak to you, I probably would have gotten a lot of really good recommendations much sooner. <laughs> <laughs> well, you should have rented better movies and I would have talked to you. <laughs> Ooh. You know, I think I rented, I'm trying to think of probably the most exciting thing I rented from you was, was King of Hearts, I'm pretty sure. And that mm -hmm. was towards the end. Um, and we might have, I think there was, I think once we had an exchange where I was like, Fellini's cool or something like that. You know, it's like one of these, like, <laughs> like really like you were like, all right, goodbye. Um, but like my point being <laughs> is like, like, these are these places that really fostered like my interest in, in videos. And part of that too, it's just like being in a room surrounded by even the box art. It's like albums, you know, it's that kind of like that crate digging mentality and, and just being able to see something and physically hold it in your hands or even just to be around something to be like what the heck is this poster i keep seeing with the yeah. lips with the top mm. hat and the legs you know like what is that you know yeah. and then suddenly you're you're watching Boonwell. so i don't know where else you can really get that it's so hard <laughs> we were just talking about ui it's so hard on all of the streaming services to see what they actually mm -hmm. have unless you yeah. know exactly yeah. what you want or they're they're shoving it in your face because it's brand new well, that's where my mind just went there because I thought it was interesting that you said that you would have walls organized by the years of movie releases because it, it's just funny to me that like you can't even go on Netflix and say like only show me movies you know from no, 1987 no. right the like, like the filtering options are ridiculous yeah and so I we were talking before we started recording about I took a class in UX and the brief that I did was about movies and so I was obviously like, I'm going to pick the one that's about movies. <laughs> and so I, my thing was, I'm going to make a way to filter things on the Google play or digital rentals. So you can say only show me action movies from between 1987 and 1995 or whatever. And I feel like it's just so wild that something that was, you know, original, like Netflix was originally created to be a, a movie by mail thing where the I, whole idea of Netflix was like, a movie that I would have never been able to get before I can go on the internet and say, send this to me and watch it and send it back. Right. Like the mm -hmm. whole idea was catalog, the whole idea was every movie that you can't even go to your rental store and get, you'll be able to find, even if it's like some weird, you know, out of print movie, but now it's just so far from that. It's like the exact opposite. Now it's just <laughs> go on Netflix and they're going to shove the same thing that they just released in your face and it's going to be the most mediocre movie <laughs> or whatever because the, their stuff all looks... The worst part is that it just doesn't evolve either. Like the way Netflix is now, I feel like it's always been that way. Like it just doesn't improve the way you can find movies. Mm -hmm. You have to rely on other websites. Like we, we yeah. rely on Letterboxd for that kind of thing. But yeah, Netflix on its own. So how, how do, how do y'all feel about the idea that like, so Netflix doesn't, you know, evolve that way because 98% of the people that, that subscribe to Netflix don't care. Right. Yeah. So like, mm -hmm. I, I understand that like 
you know, we're all quote unquote power users, right? Like Letterboxd is like built on the idea that like people that are very, very hungry for this ability to like find the dumbest, weirdest, obscure shit, <laughs> like guilty. that's kind of like serving us, right? So like a part of me is like, it's so frustrating to be like, Netflix is never going to do that because 2% of their user base would use it. And then they'd say, nobody's using this. And it's the same thing mm. with Spotify for me as a music fan. Like for years, it, they had this like arbitrary limit on how many albums you could have saved. And there was this like thousands and thousands of people saying like, please remove this. It's dumb. Mm -hmm. We've all hit your limit. And they would just say, yeah, but only 1% of our entire user base has ever hit this limit. So fuck you. <laughs> Eventually they did. So that was nice. But it's just, it's hard not to feel like beat down about they're this saying, stuff. Fuck, fuck the 1% really. Like, yeah. they're the one saying that. <laughs> like, it's just frustrating to think like the ability to go into a store and have a wall of movies from 1991 or go into the action section and be like, what is this thing? You know, this interesting thing that I can now go watch is just so frustrating <laughs> that that's, you know, will it ever come back? <laughs> now that I've gotten used to the fact that I don't own a video store anymore, that I've gotten over the sadness of that and, and, you know, the loss I, I have, I've been able to, embrace your know, letterbox and also this ability to hunt things down on the internet mm -hmm. that I could never find before and find files of these just, you know, incredibly obscure things that I've mm -hmm. never had access to before. And so that's a comfort. Like that's, mm -hmm. that sort of makes up for like, I can still collect movies. That's always been my real reason for wanting to, you know, own a video store is to have, <laughs> you know, to own everything. And now I still can do that and i can focus on just the weirdest stuff now because i'm only trying to please myself and it's all available out there on the internet yeah. but here's what i do have to say about physical media and the real problem with streaming no matter how you're doing it you know whether it's you know streaming on netflix or spotify or, or you know yeah. legal downloads or, or whatever there's nothing that's compelling me to watch this thing I've downloaded or, you know, stream something <laughs> on, on a service with physical media. I've gone into a store, I've selected something, mm. maybe something I've been dying to see for a long time. And it was exactly what I wanted to see, or maybe what I wanted to see wasn't there. And I grabbed something, you know, took a chance on something or somebody recommended it to me. I bring it home and it's sitting there on my coffee table and I'm going to watch it. Like it's just sitting there telling me, well, you need to watch this. This is due in a couple days. So you've got mm -hmm. to watch this thing. Mm -hmm. I bring things home from the library that are available to stream on Netflix just because I know if it's sitting there on my coffee table, yeah, I'm going to yeah. watch it. Where if it's yeah. just out there in the, you know, in the cloud, what's <laughs> nothing is going to compel me to actually sit yeah. down and watch the thing. Maybe so, that's yeah. why we do podcasts. Like we yeah. egg each other on to <laughs> yeah, watch movies and then we kind of have to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and there is, there is something to be said about the silver lining of like, you're saying, you know, maybe uh cinema is one of the new video stores, but at the same time, you know, there are vinegar syndromes and olive and indicator and, you know, all these, all these labels, scream factory arrow, there, arrow there, like there's movies that exist now in the in the most amazing you know pristine format that mm -hmm. to, to think back to the video store where you, you know some of these movies could maybe didn't even exist on vhs some of the really obscure stuff that you know vinegar syndrome and other people are putting out 
And so th there is like this idea of uh, like a sigh of relief, like at least that, you know, Agva's out there, you know, <laughs> finding some movie that was lost forever. And now we can we can watch it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I recently watched Tammy and the T-Rex. <laughs> yeah, good movie. And I don't remember that movie ever being on VHS. I mean, most of these things I have, I have a good you know visual memory and I can, you know, might not recognize a movie from the, the poster, the, you know, the DVD cover or the theatrical poster, but I remember what it looked like on VHS. Mm. And I looked this up what the VHS for this movie looked like. And I had no memory. Like, I don't, I don't know if it ever <laughs> hit any stores that I ever rented from. I, it was Arrow that put it out, I think, right? Uh, and they That's vin Vinegar Syndrome, I think. Oh, Vinegar well. Syndrome. That's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. You know, not only did they, you know, retrieve this incredible B, Z grade movie from Oblivion, but, uh, it, you know, it looks beautiful and it's got, all the gore that wasn't even available yeah. in the uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. in the in the VHS release in the '90s, so you know yeah. it's still you know. I remember finding that movie like six years ago when no one was talking about it, and the only version that existed was either a VHS rip that didn't have the gore because that only existed on was only released in I think Italy and maybe China or Taiwan, and then someone found like a TV rip of the Italian version. And they spliced together this thing. But of course, like Italian dialogue was still in those scenes. I had the gore and everything. <laughs> yeah. And and at that point as well, I started doing like research into this movie. And I was like, I have to get this movie released on Blu-ray somehow because no one was talking about it. No one cared. I, I, I got in touch with like people who knew the people who worked on it and I was like trying to find like a work print and everything. I was like, well, we'll see how things go from there on out. But I just lacked the connections to like solidify something there. And then a couple of years later, suddenly there's vinegar syndrome and it now it exists in, in, in like a 4k yeah. ultra chic release. And that still blows my mind. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad there's still a market for that. Oh yeah. yeah. In, in sure. a pre-internet world, you know, we we wouldn't have been able to to watch the astrologer, right? Like <laughs> the astrologer would never like it it would maybe have been talked about and if if we were a lucky civilization somebody would have made a VHS dub somehow of that print, you know, if and maybe it would have made it made the rounds in bootleg circles or something. And I know that there's people out there probably thinking like the astrologer was better when it was a hard to find thing that you had to <laughs> really like, say that if yeah. you didn't go to the one screening in LA, then you were fucked. But at the same time, I'm like, no, like Movies this is a piece everyone. of art that somebody worked on. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that's, that's so, kind of where yeah. I'm at with, you know, I, this age of internet has been only a positive for my movie addiction, but I definitely miss the, like the ability to go somewhere and just be like, Oh, this now this exists on vinegar syndrome or this exists, you know, it's being released in, in, you know, beautiful high quality, but I'm not, I'm not big on owning DVDs, which it has, I think a bit more to do with financial woes and like, you know, also mm -hmm. space. I, I have also like, just, I've moved around so much that I just never wanted to carry too many DVDs. Like the stuff I have on DVD is just so random like it's anything from like only star Wars episode three to like the trip, like this just, mm -hmm. there's no real rhyme or reason there. It's just like things <laughs> I bought in like a gas station 
or I like really specifically was was looking for because I just couldn't find it and I, it looked amazing and I knew I, I wanted it. But um, it, so I, I don't really buy DVDs too often and it, it sucks because that's when I'm like, I really miss rental stores. Like I really want to watch Tammy and the T-Rex. I don't know if I want to own it. <laughs> <laughs> like I would be open to it. I'm, I'm really, I'm happy to like, you know, to, to buy things and, and to help fund these places to continue to do the work that they're doing. Like that's obviously worth, you know, the ticket price as it were, but yeah, I don't know. But like, I mean, you guys are big into owning media and you guys are, and, and I know that Bart is, I know Bart's still preaching <laughs> i'm sitting in a room right now with thousands of dvds in it. <laughs> yeah i i cut out the the middleman of my collection so i have hundreds of vhs and i have a solid like you know small collection of blu-rays probably maybe uh, maybe a hundred mm. but yeah i have like 400 vhs or something and and I put all my DVDs away. I put them all in slip cases and and stored all the the DVD cases in a friend's garage because I felt like a lot of stuff that I really wanted I was buying again on Blu-ray and then like the really <laughs> yeah, obscure that's how it stuff. Goes. The really obscure stuff that like didn't make it to DVD I really want to still own, but there was like there obviously there's a lot of stuff that hit DVD that is never going to make it to Blu-ray, so mm -hmm. I would I I don't want to get rid of all my DVDs, but yeah, I definitely was like Maybe I'm just going to focus on I'll buy tapes, I'll buy <laughs> Blu-rays. <laughs> I'm probably mm. not going to buy too many DVDs anymore. Yeah, DVDs like this weird middle thing where the quality isn't as good as Blu-ray. It was also not really as charming as like VHS, <laughs> I've always felt. Like my collection is about, I don't know, I have a list on Letterboxd. That's all like my physical own stuff. It's about like 500. I kind of stopped buying things unless it's like really something special like um, that Godzilla set that Criterion put out and then mm. the Gamera set that Arrow put out. Like th those are like obvious buys for me. But otherwise I've like really slowed down. Um, yeah. I feel like most of my collection is like Blu-ray, some DVD, maybe 10 or 15 VHSs. That's about it. Do you find, like I, for Carlo, I know this was probably not the case because you, you're, you have to kind of buy a lot of these things online, but I buy... Oh, yeah. I buy most of like the vinegar syndrome stuff. I like, I really want to buy it, but I go like, I shouldn't spend my money on this right now or like <laughs> they're, you know, whatever. But then if I go to somewhere where they are tabling, mm -hmm. I will like drop $200 or some shit. <laughs> like oh, I went shit. to a drive-in <laughs> last year and they just so happened to be there and they were selling their, you know, and they, it was like five, you buy four or five of them, they'll give you five or 10 bucks off the total price or whatever and i was just like all right here's like 150 200 bucks <laughs> or whatever but because it was there and it was like the man loves an impulse buy <laughs> it was an impulse buy but at the same time it was like this is the right way to do this mm. like i'm asking the guy like which one should you know if i only buy one more they use is it you know is it blood rage or is or it mausoleum you know, <laughs> action usa or mausoleum yeah like and, and he's like yeah you this movie like people people keep telling me this one sucks but i love it and so okay i'm gonna buy that one yeah so <laughs> it's like going to a concert you know it's yeah. like the merch yeah, table yeah. at a concert yeah. when the song the album comes out of a band i love i buy it immediately still i just do still buy mm -hmm. cds <laughs> even though I, I have no actually no way to play a cd right now all of my my optical drive doesn't exist on my laptop anymore and i don't have a cd player but um i still buy the cd I, I buy the physical cd if i go to a concert suddenly i'm like well how much is the vinyl all right you know like boom like <laughs> there's also like hundred dollars like all right done perfect yeah i'm more compelled to own 
music as well, just because I listen to things over and over. Movies, I don't have the same compulsion to buy because I don't really rewatch all that much. Mm. What what I really want is just to own everything. So if you know <laughs> if anything crosses my mind, if you know any movie that I think of, if I want to see it, I want to be able to go to my shelf and or my hard drive at this point and say, <laughs> yeah, here it is. I can I can watch it now, and you know it, it, I've, I've got it. You know, no problem. That's the kind of movie owner I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I I love you know that the that Criterion Godzilla set would be amazing to own just as a, as a piece of art, but how often would I actually watch every one of those? All 16. Godzilla. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, the Zatoichi set that they came out with was incredible. Mm. And I said, Oh yeah, I'm going to watch all 23 of these. And, uh, Oh man, I didn't even I've know. Seen, I've seen three of three of them, but you know, they're there. If, if I ever want to see mm. the other 20 Zatuichi movies, <laughs> when the mood strikes, I've, I've got them. I can, <laughs> I can watch them. It's true. Like, you know, access to movies and everything. It's, it's a very fleeting thing when it comes to streaming, but at least physical media you can rely on, or even having a, on a hard drive, like it's, it's, it's all in your own hands and that's comforting. And that's also why I don't know. There's like a, a tendency to keep every file and don't delete anything mm-hmm. because you're just afraid of maybe losing access to this really obscure thing. Like even movies that, I, that I've watched and hate it. I'm like, well, I hated this, but this is very obscure. So I don't want to trash this file because you never know. <laughs> yeah. It's funny what becomes obscure too. Like movies that aren't, you know, movies that are Hollywood pictures, you know, will become so hard to find in the DV in the, in the modern era. Like <laughs> I always use the example that Carlo knows, like for some reason I really wanted to watch the movie K2 just because it was a movie that I saw in the rental store a lot. And I was like, I'm going to watch that movie like about the Wait. mountain climbers. Oh yeah. The K2. mountain climber one. Yeah. 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 And I was <laughs> I and like, that's like a major release. It was everywhere in movie stores and stuff. And I was like trying to find a way to rent it online or da- or even download it illegally. And like, yeah. it wasn't on any of the sites. And I was like, how is this so hard to find? It's a major <laughs> motion picture. Like the only way I could have watched it was like to, go buy a dvd on ebay no, which i don't really do very often so when did that one <laughs> come out again 2000s in the in the 90s 90s yeah oh, okay. 93 or something like that yeah oh, okay. i mean so, i've got I've, i'm i've got the dvd right here dan if you yeah. uh if you want well, me to rip it for you I, I, had, I did end up finding a copy of it and watching it and then i was like eh, this movie's okay <laughs> yeah see that's the weird thing with like those middle of the road movies that might have gotten a dvd release but people who are into vhs restoration aren't necessarily interested because it's not like a cult movie or anything those things tend to like disappear like fall between like the cracks and then that stuff happens there was a brief period of time where my brother and i really wanted to watch the the real world movie the real cancun and like could not find it it was impossible to rent online it was like impossible to find an illegal copy of it and you know the only things you could do is go buy it on ebay and again we were just kind of like oh we don't want to watch it that much (laughs) you know what's in in like i watch a lot of like well now a bit less uh but i used to watch like a lot of like hong kong and taiwanese action movies and 
so many disposable movies were made, like especially in the 70s and 80s, and those were meant to be preserved for later generations. Those are like one and done, uh, get people to watch them and that's it. And a, a lot of movies disappear uh, and are just impossible to find and will never be possible to find again, but they exist in some form online. You can find some information, but it's, it's, it's really a, a problem there if you're like a completionist, which is impossible in, in, in that genre. Um, mm. I've noticed. <laughs> Yeah. Do we do we think that there's any sort of future for, a, you know, like a futuristic robot 2.0 reboot of video stores? I'm trying to think of a way that it could possibly happen. I mean, like in my head, if Barton Greggs was a, a website where I could stream things on on demand, <laughs> I would be there constantly throwing my dollars at it. But I also think that there what I don't understand really. And maybe this is just me now being being really dumb, but like, you know, it, I do think that there's this weird now, all of the copyright issues and all of the ownership issues that are streaming's running into, but why was that not an issue for DVD stores and VHS stores? Like, why could you just like buy a bunch of stuff and like let people pay you to, to watch them? And well, there like, was a court case over that. Was there? Please, please yeah. inform me because I'm very uh, dumb well, about I don't... this. I don't know a ton about like the details of it, but I do know early on with mom and pop shops, the the studios were not happy with the idea that they could buy something and then rent it out. And there was like a court case where they were saying they were fighting and saying like, you know, once we've purchased this, you know, it's our right to be able to do this. And and the studios lost and it kind of became like hmm. the way of the land is that you can do this is kind of the gist of what I know of it. <laughs> In the VHS days, you wanted to, you know, buy, you know, five copies of, you know, the Terminator so you could rent it out in your <laughs> store. I mean, that's. Six hundred dollars. You know, yeah, they, you'd have to pay one hundred and twenty dollars a pop for mm. for that movie, and that's how they sort of justified. You know, the studio said, "Well, they, you know, we make them pay a lot for the tape, and then, then the, you know, they can they can yeah. rent it over and over." And I mean, that's one of the reasons when I opened a DVD stores, I went for DVD only, is because you know, twenty dollars a piece. There, mm. yeah, there wasn't this rental pricing at all. Mm -hmm. the, there was this idea that the video stores were on their way out. I think that yeah. uh, that's part of it. But I also think that there was this, you know, growing market for for people who wanted to own their favorite movies. So yeah. DVD was intended as sort of a, an archival copy that people would pay twenty bucks to to own this beautiful transfer of their yeah. of their favorite movie. So it wasn't the the pricing for that never had. You know, rental stores in mind so it was sort of a loophole for us that's why we were able to to start up fairly cheaply and and make a go of it uh, and, and compete against the the big chain video stores did so did you just buy the these dvds outright or did you have some sort of distributor that you were going to all the time well yeah i mean we had a distributor you know it was a, a distributor that provided dvds for for retail so you know, it didn't make any difference to them whether we were renting these <laughs> DVDs out or if we were reselling them to mm. to our customers. It was all the same price. Yeah, it's a it's a whole other podcast, but um, I do find it fascinating the history of like of the formats because VHS got started by this one guy, and studios did did not care. Studios were like, 
Uh, who gives a shit? We'll sell a bunch of our rights to our movies to this guy who's going to put them on these tapes. Like, yeah, whatever. It's never going to, you know. And then he Whoops. made this company, Magnetic Video. And all of a sudden, the studios cared. They were like, oh, no, 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 no. So they bought all their movies <laughs> back from him. And he made a shitload of money. Oh, and then they were like, okay, now we're going to start, you know, we'll, we'll actually, we'll, they all started their own, like, distribution labels on VHS and stuff. But, like, for so long, they were like, pfft. Nobody wants to buy a movie. <laughs> it's crazy. Now we all watch them on our phones. Yeah, I know. I don't. Does anyone do that? I've never watched a movie no. on my phone. Oh, I will no. watch a movie no. in the no. airplane uh, bat seat back. No, I don't even I'll do watch that. Something on my phone. Yeah, I so have I think, when I'm yeah. when I'm going to bed. I will sometimes watch part of a movie. Just oh yeah, I, yeah. I, <laughs> that's, that to me sounds a little sad. <laughs> and it's usually it's nothing I it's nothing I want to watch badly. Properly. It's nothing I want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's nothing I want a, a great viewing experience for. It's like something I have to you know force myself through for the podcast. Like those, <laughs> yeah. those sorts of things. Yeah, I've propped up a laptop, but that's it. Yeah, I do that with a tablet. Like when I go to bed, I put a movie on the tablet. But like I don't really make a distinction. Do I want to see something really badly or not? Like usually it's just like sampler like i watch like 50 minutes and then i know i'm just getting sleepy but based on <laughs> those 50 minutes i can sort of gauge like do i really want to finish this the next day but it's fine on a tablet like that's that's big enough to me like especially in bed like i have it just on my yeah. chest but on a phone no i don't think i've ever watched a movie on my phone to be honest <laughs> i just have a tv not far from my bed and i turn it on and i watch <laughs> movies nice. exclamation mm-hmm. point for five minutes until the infomercials start and then i turn it off and i go to bed <laughs> rio bravo was on the other night and i was like wow that's a really high quality film for this channel i i do like that that's also a whole other conversation but i do miss the ability of turning my tv on and finding the movie station and being like, oh, something's just starting. I wonder what it is. Oh, it's something I've never seen. I guess I'll just watch it. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. And and that is being, there is a uh, Twitch stream now called Movie Past, and they do like very specific uh, curated movie streams that you you have to be there at that time to watch, and they have different people curating different days. They run like every day, and they play really obscure stuff. They play not so obscure stuff. And it's usually themed. So I I think future wise, I think we'll see more stuff like that. Mm-hmm, yeah. And I also I also wonder post COVID, like, is there going to be a boom of because like just before COVID, there was all these, you know, barcades opening and stuff where, you know, people were all of a sudden going back to a bar to play video games and stuff is like is maybe there's going to be a post COVID thing where the idea of like. I can go outside now, so why not go out and rent a movie? I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, I really that. thought that drive-ins were going to take off, but I guess it's not the most practical thing. I love the drive-in. They they took off here for sure. There's a couple oh, yeah. of museums that have been doing drive-ins and film festivals that were doing drive-ins, but it's just in New York City, there's only like, there's like one place you can do it in the the sort of city area. I think it's in Jersey. Otherwise, you have to drive a couple hours up upstate. So yeah, there's a couple here. Dan, do you remember the podcast we did on the Shadow Chaser movies? Frank Zagarino. Yeah, he does that yeah. now for a living. He he rents out like drive-ins oh, yeah. and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, I think the New York area yeah. actually. Yeah, I I'm a big fan of the drive-in. There's a few around here. I've in never Ontario. been to one. Oh, I 
I got into like a little bit of a back and forth with a friend because they were like, it's the worst way to watch a movie. And, and I do understand that visual quality is an issue at the drive-in. Like if it's a rainy night or, you know, mm. people have their headlights on, it can be a hassle, but oh, I hate going to the movie theater and there's some asshole behind you being loud. And like, like the drive-in is like, I've closed off this area. I'm in control of the volume. Nobody else is talking. <laughs> I love it. It is. It's a, it's a memorable experience. I mean, I can remember every movie I ever saw in a drive-in. So <laughs> Wayne's World 2 and uh, Cool World in the drive-in. Oh, um, man. And... <laughs> Best of both worlds. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> cool world, Wayne's world. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a terrible way to watch a movie, but just throw away junk like that is, is perfect for mm-hmm. the drive-in. Mm. Well, my last question here for you, Bart, is what was the most exciting thing that ever happened at your DVD store? The most exciting thing? <laughs> you, didn't prep, you didn't prep me for no, this one. Like, I don't <laughs> want you to shit on clients or anything someone uh, going to labor in the store yeah was there anything like anyone anyone who was really memorable or anything that those famous people rent really weird movies (laughs) i i mean yeah i mean there's i could tell you stories about uh you know drunk girls who wouldn't leave the store when we're closing (laughs) and but what were they renting anything good Uh, i'm i'm sure she wasn't renting anything she just was uh you know didn't (laughs) Didn't know what to do with herself because uh, they were trying she... to find the DVD of K two. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I don't miss about owning a video store and uh, and being in in retail is that uh, you know anybody at all can walk in that door, and we would get <laughs> we'd get a lot of crazies. I mean, it's even in a small town, small college town like Brunswick, Maine. You know, it's tough to to have to deal with mentally unstable people or people who just don't know how to behave around other people who treat you mm. like crap just because they they don't know better. I don't know. I mean, I, I've, mm. I've been abused by customers and I've had to confront customers who were talking, you know, yelling at my employees. And it's, yeah, that's, that's one thing I don't miss mm. about the video store is that aspect. But on the, on the other hand, they're, I had lots of great regular customers who I'd get excited whenever they came in because we'd have we'd mm-hmm. talk about whatever it was that they rented the night before for a half an hour. You know, it was it was it was a real trade off. I, I miss I miss those great conversations a lot. And I guess Letterbox yeah. is sort of where I turned immediately when I yeah when I thought, oh, no, what am I going to do that? I, I don't have this outlet anymore. Yeah. But, uh, you know, there was always that downside, too, where you get. In fact, a, a majority of the people who came into my store were just looking to get, you know, some some dumb entertainment for mm-hmm. for the night, and they had no interest in engaging with anybody about what they're watching, and it was mostly just you know, dull, you know, <laughs> exchange of of goods and and money sort of uh, <laughs> interactions. But uh, didn't you say that you had a client who had come in? having just rented Apollo 13 and ask you with a straight face for Apollo 14? Uh, well, that was, that was one of the, uh, the mentally ill people I was oh, okay. referring to. He, re- he really, um, you already saw the first 12. So yeah, he, he wanted to, he wanted to know when, when 14, 15 and 16 were coming out. <laughs> I think that's um, sweet. Yeah. 
Uh, retail is ta- terrible. I, I have only, I've, I've worked in retail for many years and, and it was just always awful. And like, were there always like a couple of things where like, uh, I used to work at TechServe, which was the Apple store before there were Apple stores basically. And so that would get a lot of cool celebrities. And, and occasionally it would be like, wow, like Lou Reed just came in. And then occasionally someone would like wait for you until you leave so that they, cause they like hate you. And then they want to follow you home and you had to like leave out the back door, like that kind of, <laughs> you're like, Jesus. great. Like I, I'm selling iPods. Like I'm glad that this is part of this, uh, you know, exchange, but, but I miss Barton Gregg's DVD explosion <laughs> personally. I didn't go, but I miss it too. <laughs> I would have liked to have gone. Yeah. You can Google it and find photos. Yeah, I did earlier today. <laughs> you had a bunch of like, I, I think Being that's the creep. one thing that's really nice was that you had all of these local papers come out and, and like mm-hmm. write obituaries for yeah, your I saw store. <laughs> obituaries, yeah. So it just yeah. goes to show how important that stuff really is. and But people don't know what the, they're missing. No, it's yeah. true. They don't know. Well, when you guys come up with, with some way of recreating the, uh, the video store experience, let me know and I'll... <laughs> I'll, I'll get going on that because I, I sure miss it. There's nothing that's come along that's replaced it, really. I, there's some, some perks with the internet, but nothing has replaced the video store in, in my heart. Amen. <laughs> well, fun. thank you so much for coming on, Bard. It was, it was fun to talk to you about something that mm. wasn't 1960s cinema. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Should we plug you? Yeah. What, Any, what are you doing, Bard? Cinema 60, obviously. <laughs> Tune into Cinema 60. There's always something interesting. You'll you'll hear about movies that uh, you didn't. I don't know <laughs> <laughs> that you didn't know existed. I, I yeah. I don't know. It's It's you know. I I I I love it's going terrific. down the rabbit hole. It's just terrific. Like, just like the Citizen Kane poster. It's yeah, terrific. It's terrific. And where can we follow you on Letterbox, Bart? I just want to force you to say your username. <laughs> Well, if you Google Bart Deloro, you'll you'll find me. But, I can't spell yeah, that. <laughs> uh, Say bad, the line, bad boy Bart. likes it. Bad boy likes it. One word nice. on Letterboxd. Thank you, bad boy, for coming today. My pleasure. <laughs> I liked it. Thanks for talking to me. When is that special guest coming on? <laughs> This podcast is a presentation of Back-Row.com, co-founded by Veronica Dolgenko and Jenna Ipkar, also featuring Carlo Van Stepout and Dan Gorman.